Job chapter 42, beginning with the first verse. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Antamorite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you this morning for this opportunity to come into your presence, to open your word. And God, we ask now that as we open your word, you would speak to us. We ask that as we open your word, you would ignite our hearts with a passion for you. We ask that as we open your word, you would comfort us. We pray that your word this morning would have its way in our lives. God, in the midst of this difficult subject that we'll tackle this morning, we ask that you would lead us. We ask that you would speak to us. Correct us where we are in error, and we pray that your word would bring us comfort and strength. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it doesn't take long when you open your morning newspaper to find a headline that contains bad news. You can pretty much open a newspaper anywhere in the world and you're going to find bad news about something. You might find in the headline that 20,000 are dead today simply because of no food or clean water. And not just one day, you'll find that day after day after day. You might open a newspaper and you might find yourself in the midst of bad news about another shooting, a shooting involving children. And it won't take long, another day will come along, and the newspaper will have the exact same headline. A shooting, and this time, more children at a school. Shootings, death of, because of no clean water and food. And then, you might open your newspaper and find a headline of natural disaster. It doesn't take long to find bad news. It's all over the place. I don't think I have to convince you this morning that there's lots of bad stuff around us. You're either in the middle of bad stuff, you're coming out of bad stuff, or you're about to go into some bad stuff. And the people around you, they're in the exact same boat. They're in the middle of bad stuff. Or they're coming out of it, or they're about to go into it. So with all of this bad stuff going on, whenever you watch the news or read the paper, how can we possibly say there is a good God? In the midst of all of the bad stuff, how could we say that there is a good God who's all-powerful? For if there is a good God who has all power, why would that God not intervene? Maybe there is a God who is good, but the God does not have all power. 
Or maybe there is an all-powerful God, but who is not good? These are real questions. Not an academic exercise, but real questions we wrestle with and our neighbors wrestle with every single day as they live in the middle of bad stuff. So what's our response to bad stuff? And especially as we look around and we see children involved in all of this bad stuff, especially as we look around and we find that some of the bad stuff coming upon us, we did nothing to deserve or nothing to cause. If your thinking is anything like mine, it usually follows something like, play by the rules and you will be rewarded for playing by the rules. I don't like playing by the rules. Usually when I cook and bake, I usually don't like playing by the rules either. I like to set the temperature of the oven to what I want it, and I never use a timer because that means somebody else would be in control and tell me when it's done. I'll tell you when it's done. Well, this last week, we were getting ready for who's coming to dinner, and we were assigned the dessert. So my wife called me and said, oh, I'm going to pick up the kids. You better get started with the dessert. So I went home and started to make the dessert, and I thought, well, I don't know who's going to be there tonight, so I better make this thing right. So what did I do? I followed the instructions on the cake box to a T. I set a timer on the oven. I even used one of those toothpicks when the timer went off. Guess what happened with the cake? It turned out marvelously. Well, who would have thought? You follow the directions and it works. Guess what? Life doesn't work that way. You know as well as I do that you can follow the rules. And even in the midst of following the rules, bad stuff still happens. Well, what's our response to all of this bad stuff? How do we talk about God? There's a couple of different ways that we can talk about God in the midst of all of this bad stuff. There's two different directions that we can go. First, we can say that God created the world and then left creation to itself. This is a reasonable response to the situation. What most people describe as deism. They believe that there's a higher being, that there was a great authority at some point that started the world. And then after starting the world, this creator just stepped back and said, hey, go on your own way, and at some point I'll probably intervene or we'll just let natural law run its course. So this is held by a lot of people. A lot of smart people hold this view that there is a higher power, but that higher power has no involvement in the world day to day or in our lives. That's one end of the spectrum. And then you can go to the other end of the spectrum and you can say that, well, we are God's puppets on strings. In other words, God created the world and God doesn't just control the world, but God mandates and brings about everything that happened. In other words, every little thing that happens, God caused it to happen. My seminary professor used to joke about it this way and say, well, it's good you fell down the stairs and you got that out of the way because you had no choice in the matter. So one way of looking at it is that we are God's puppets, just doing whatever God wants. I hope that you can see the dilemmas in both sides without pointing them out. If we are God's puppets, we are very simply saying that therefore, those headlines that we just showed from the newspaper, 
That was God's fault. Those kids that died in the school shooting, God did that. Because God runs everything. God put it in the mind of that shooter to go there. God directed that shooter to go there. That tsunami that came, God did that. God brought up the waves and the wind. God caused that. that that's, that's over there. That's a position, again, that's a position held by many Christians. Think. Smart Christians, faithful Christians hold that position. Maybe you've heard this phrase when something bad has happened. Everything happens for a reason. If that's true, if everything happens for a reason, that means that God caused it to happen and God brought it about. Therefore, God is ultimately responsible for it. I would contend with you this morning that everything does not happen for a reason. There's a lot of stuff that happens every single day that God did not cause, that God did not want. Do you see the contradiction of this side of being God's puppets? God created the world, and it says in Genesis chapter 1 that all was good. And then he created male and female and said, be fruitful and multiply. And then he finished by saying, and you can have dominion over the earth. So, so if we take this position, well, when God said we can have dominion over the earth, he really didn't mean it. He was just kind of building us up. And then he took it right back, and he controlled everything. Not only that, but then God gives us all these rules to follow. God lays out the law, his heart for us. And so he tells us what we can and can't do. Well, if God's controlling everything, why tell us what we can and cannot do? Because we're doing it anyhow because he wants us to. That's not the God that's revealed in Scripture. But at the same time, the God that's revealed in Scripture also isn't the one who just created everything and said, good luck. Because the main story of the Bible is what? Jesus Christ. And Jesus is God with us. So God does not leave creation, but rather God enters into creation. And then after Jesus lives in creation, he ascends to heaven. What happens next? Jesus sends his Holy Spirit. And Jesus says to the followers, hey, don't go, air, don't go anywhere or do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. So God has not abandoned his creation. But at the same time, God is not dictating everything happening in creation. This morning, I'm not opposed to these because they're on the extremes. We should be willing to be extreme if God commands us to be extreme. We're not opposed to these because they're on the extremes. We're, ex we're opposed to these because they contradict God's word. There's a different way. But the way isn't always fun. And the way is not always easy. And the way is not always full of answers. This morning, we want to basically ask a simple question. What do we know? If it's not these two ways that we talk about God in the midst of all of this bad stuff, well then, what do we know? What can we say with confidence? And Paul read earlier from Romans chapter 8, and I'd invite you to open up your Bible there to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We get some clear teaching from God's Word on the issue of suffering. Romans chapter 8. 
there's three things that we do know in the midst of all of the bad stuff. The first is this. All creation is corrupt. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul starts out this piece of the conversation by saying that um, all creation there in verse, in verse 20 and 21, he says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, all of creation is corrupt. In other words, creation is under a curse. And what we have to distinguish is that when Paul's saying creation here, he's, he's actually distinguishing between creation and followers of Jesus or the people of God. Because notice down a little bit further when he's talking about redemption, he says, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits. So there's two, there's two things. There's us and there's all of creation. And he's saying, all of creation is under a curse. It's corrupt. This goes right along with Genesis in the beginning of when God created the world. God created the world, the world turned its back on God, and then what did God do? God put the world under a curse. That the world fell under corruption at that time, under the power of sin. Now, this doesn't get talked about much. But this is, helps us Christians understand the world so much that Sin does not just affect us as human beings in relationship. We believe that sin affects all of creation. Why do farmers have a hard time with rocks? It's because of sin. I mean, we, that's, it's kind of funny, but it's true. Because creation's not operating the way that God created it to operate. All of creation is under a curse. Therefore, as Christians... We shouldn't be surprised when bad stuff happens. We should not be surprised when a natural storm comes. Why? Creation's not running the way it's supposed to. Now, this is where it gets mysterious. Does God cause every storm? Scripture doesn't say he does. It, but at the same time, can God cause a storm if God wants to? Absolutely. But we don't know with certainty if every storm is from God. But we do know this with certainty, that creation is corrupted. Therefore, storms are likely. So all of creation is corrupt. Us in relationship, up, us as individuals, everything is corrupt. But then there's good news at the same time that the Apostle Paul makes known in verse 18, that our future glory is greater than our present sufferings. Verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that has been revealed to us. So in other words, the Apostle Paul is saying this, Your future that you have is going to be so marvelous that when you're experiencing it, you're not even going to remember the present sufferings. There's this question usually comes up whenever you're talking about life after death. People always ask, well, are we going to remember the painful times, those, those struggles that we had in the flesh? Well, the biblical perspective is this. That future time is going to be so glorious that we're not even going to spend any time considering the past suffering. Have you ever had that happen in life where you're in the midst of a struggle and after the struggle, something great happens and then you recognize... You don't even spend time talking about the struggle anymore because of the greatness that you're experiencing right now. That's what's going to happen. 
We've got to put our focus on our future glory. This morning, so many of us are drowning in our current circumstances or we're looking back at the past glory days. How much do I hear this? Oh, if it only it was like when I was a kid. Good luck with that. It's not doing anything. You can look back at the past glory all you want. It's not going to do a thing for you. God does not ask us to look back at the past glory and say, I wish it was that way. He asks us to look ahead to the future glory because when we experience that glory, we're not going to be looking back at all. We're going to experience everlasting joy in an everlasting kingdom. This morning, look ahead to that future glory. What is that future glory? Look with me, if you would, down to verse 23. The future glory. And not only creation, but ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Our future glory is the resurrection, is the redemption of our bodies, where we are resurrected and all of creation is brought into a new kingdom. That's our future hope. This morning, we've got to put our hope there. We've got to talk about the resurrection. How crazy is this? When we go into the grave, hundred years later, a thousand years later, whenever it is, we're going to come out of that grave, get a brand new body, and live in a brand new kingdom. That's the future hope that we have. The reason that we struggle so much is we don't talk about that future glory. Many of you have been through a difficult time. Many of you have lost a loved one. And in the midst of that difficult time, lots of stuff gets said that's simply not true. It gets said because it's thought helpful at the time. This morning, I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings or to cause any pain, but I do mean to try and raise our vision a little bit. This morning, I'm sure that some of us have heard when we've lost a child or someone else has lost the phrase, God needed another angel. God needs no more angels. When you lost your child or you knew that child that passed away, God was grieving with you. God was not celebrating that another angel was coming into his presence. Our future hope is not that we're going to be angels or that we're angels now. Our future hope is that we've got a brand new resurrected body in a resurrected kingdom. Your future glory is so marvelous it's going to diminish anything that's going on right now. That doesn't mean we diminish what's going on right now, but we keep perspective. We keep reminding ourselves of the overall story. So this morning, the reason I bring this up is to help us think about how we can comfort others. So when you comfort someone else, I would encourage you, be careful of what you say. That doesn't mean don't say anything. But be careful of what you say because depending on where that person is at spiritually, when they hear the phrase, God needed another angel, do you know what that can do? That can send them into a downroad spiral. Well, what kind of God would need another angel? I don't want to worship that kind of God. And they never want to enter into God's presence again. Scripture tells a completely different story. God's already got thousands of angels. And God's heart breaks when bad stuff happens happens. 
but yet there's a future glory that we can't even explain. We know this. We know that creation is corrupt. We know that there is a future glory. We also know that God will work all things together for the good. Now this is hard. This is one of the most difficult truths in Scripture. Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Notice what it does not say. It does not say, God brings all things into your life for the good. No, God can take all things. He will take all things, and he will bring them about for your good. That's good news. That even in the midst of difficulty, God can take that challenge, and he can refine you, and for whatever way or however he does it, he can bring something good out of it. He can turn someone else's heart towards himself. He can create a greater trust in you. We don't know what it is. We just know that God will work. This morning, the promise for you is this, that God is above all things, and God can take all things and will take all things and work them for our good. Our good is that future glory, the resurrection of ourselves and the resurrection of a brand new kingdom. Bad stuff is going to come. In the midst of that bad stuff coming, there is some things we can know. And we've got to hold tight to this stuff that we can know because there's a lot of stuff we don't know. So that's the next question. What don't we know? Well, it can really be summarized in one word. Why? This is where the mystery comes in. We have no idea why God doesn't intervene when God could intervene. We have no idea why God causes some things and not other things. We just don't know. We don't know the why in a lot of circumstances. But this is where a lot of us live today, is in the why. And God's word to us is maybe more, it is more difficult than easy. Because God's word to us is not to Give us the answer to the why. But God's word is to us to simply be his child. Trust in him. Trust that he will walk alongside of you. Next week, we're going to get into that. How do you live in the midst of suffering? We'll talk about some practical things that how we can live in the midst of suffering with joy and peace. Job, who we read about earlier, Job had a great life and then he had a horrible life, and then had a great life. But in the midst of the horrible life, Job had some friends, unhelpful friends. I'm sure that you've had unhelpful friends at times. Job's unhelpful friends said some bad stuff, and then God kind of brought it all to the end, and God gives a little message to Job, and when God gives the message to Job, here's the problem. God doesn't clear up the why. And Job acknowledges that, that God didn't clear up the why. And Job just acknowledges, all I can do is repent and trust in God. This is what God's calling us to do today. It's to live in the mystery and trust in God. Not easy at all. Not, not saying that, not promoting that, just simply stating what God is asking for us to do is to simply trust. 
We don't know the why. And here, as we think about not knowing the why, and then we begin to think about God in different ways. As we begin to wrestle with the why, then we start to wonder, well, who is this God? When we start to wrestle with who is this God that allows it, we have to keep something in mind that God is not us and we are not God. In other words, God is not part of creation. Martin Luther says it this way, We must think differently of God than we do men, for he owes us nothing. Here's the danger. When we begin to portray onto God our thoughts of other humans or our human understanding onto God, God is beyond creation. And that's good news for us. For if God was like us, guess what? The bad stuff would have the final word. But God is not like us. And therefore, sometimes stuff about God is not made known. God has revealed what God has revealed, and God has hidden what God has kept hidden. When we think about God, we got to elevate out, almost out of ourselves in a sense, and to think about God in the way in which Scripture has revealed God. This morning, this is not an academic exercise of proving the existence of God or talking about the goodness or the negativity of God. This is real life application. For as we wrestle with the bad stuff and the God who would allow it to happen, it affects the way in which we interact with one another. It affects the God that we interact with. That's why it's so important to take a step back and say, God, what have you made known to us? And hold on to those things so tightly. And then also have clear understanding of what God has not made known to us. And there's a lot that God has not made known to us. Therefore, we have to cling to the known. This morning, we could spend a lot of time talking about a lot of headlines all around the world. But this morning, what if we forgot the big headlines for just a minute? And instead of focusing on the headlines around the world, what if we focused on your personal headline? If there was a news story about you today, what would the headline be? I can almost guarantee that the headline will contain in some way suffering or bad stuff. I don't know what everyone is struggling with this morning. I don't know all the bad stuff that's in this room. It might be a family member that's been lost. It might be a terminal illness. It might be a miscarriage. It might be a relational conflict. I don't know what your headline would read. But I do know what your headline could read that your headline could read, Conqueror, Enjoying Everlasting Glory. This morning, God does not have answers for all of the bad headlines, but He does have an overarching headline that you and I can be conquerors through Jesus Christ and we can experience everlasting glory. This morning, 
I can't answer the why question for you. And I cannot stand up here with confidence and say to you, everything happens for a reason. Because I believe there's a lot that doesn't happen for a reason. I can say to you this, though, that as you're in the midst of the bad stuff, there is a God who wants to be in the midst of the bad stuff with you. A God who has suffered more than we can imagine. The God who is in you has suffered more than you will ever suffer. And this same God wants to walk alongside of you. This same God wants to instill within you a future glory that will diminish any present sufferings. I invite you this morning to walk along this God who has suffered. I invite you this morning to know this God who has suffered on the cross on your behalf. And in the midst of your suffering, experience a future glory. This morning, as you think about that lost loved one, don't think about them without thinking about the future glory that they will experience at the resurrection. This morning, as you live in the midst of the bad news headline, also live in the midst of the overarching headline that you are a conqueror through Jesus Christ who will experience everlasting glory. Abandoning God today in the midst of the bad stuff won't help you get through the bad stuff any quicker. It's up to you. What will the final headline read? Bad stuff? Or will the final headline read, Conqueror, experiencing eternity with God? Let us pray. Almighty God, we acknowledge this morning there's a lot of unknown. Hearts are heavy today, God. Minds are full of lots of memories and different things. God, we come before you and ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us the ability to walk by faith. I pray for anyone this morning that's in the midst of the bad stuff right now. God, we ask that you would be at work in their hearts today. We ask that right now, God, you would capture each of our minds with the future glory. And God, we pray that today you would enable us to experience your goodness. God, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your patience with us. We offer ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.